The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is absolutely no suspense about the temptation of Jesus by Satan in the wilderness. There is never a moment when Jesus starts to waver and maybe even think about giving in to one of the devil's temptations. Jesus is the Holy Son of God. It is not possible for him to sin. So why does he do it? Why does Jesus subject himself to fasting and temptation in the wilderness for 40 days? Well, don't forget that while it's been eight weeks since we heard about Jesus' baptism, his temptation takes place immediately after that. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit descended upon him like a dove and rested on him, and the Father declared from heaven, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The very next verse, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness as today's gospel reading begins. This is my beloved Son, said the Father. I mentioned this eight weeks ago, but it's key for today's reading too. In the Old Testament, God referred to his people, to Old Testament Israel, as his Son. An obvious example would be Hosea 11.1, where the Lord declares, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The Lord brought his people, his son, out of Egypt and slavery, leading them to the promised land. The route took them through the wilderness, and in the wilderness, God tested his people. He wasn't trying to provoke them to sin or to lead them into evil. Rather, he was testing them to teach them that they could rely on him at all times for help. You also know, however, that beloved Israel was a disobedient son, constantly rebelling against God, grumbling against him, and doubting him, 
disobeying his commands, and even turning to false gods. While a generation died in the wilderness because of their sin, the nation survived because the Lord had promised his people would survive. Finally, after 40 years, they reached the border of Canaan. There, Moses read God's teaching a second time. That's the book of Deuteronomy. Then Moses died, and it was time to enter the promised land. Thus, Israel, the rebellious son, received what God had promised. It certainly wasn't because of the people's righteousness. It was because righteous God had promised to be faithful. And he had promised to be faithful because he also promised that the Messiah would come to save them from their sin. And that brings us back to Jesus' baptism, where he's baptized by John, who is baptizing sinners for repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Remember, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized for forgiveness because he has no sins, but he gets in line with all those sinners because he's identifying with them. He's taking their place. In fact, he's taking the place of all of God's rebellious people, Israel. So, when the Father says, this is my beloved Son at his baptism, he's not just saying, this is my only begotten Son from eternity, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. No, the Father is saying, Jesus is now the proxy for my beloved Son, Israel, and he will save them from their sin. And where did Israel show off their sinfulness after they crossed the Red Sea? In the wilderness. So where does Jesus go now that he's their stand-in for salvation? The wilderness. And while God tested his son Israel in the wilderness so that they might trust in his faithfulness more, now it is Satan who tempts Jesus in the futile hope of provoking him to sin. Now, after 40 days in the wilderness, there's no doubt that Jesus is terribly hungry according to his human nature. And it's then that the tempter says to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. We might paraphrase it this way. About 40 days ago, the Father called you his Son. If that's really true, if you are the Son of God... You can use your almighty power to take care of yourself. After all, when God's son Israel was hungry in the wilderness, God didn't leave the people on their own. He sent quail into the camp and rained manna down from heaven each morning. If the son Israel ate in the wilderness when God tested them, why shouldn't the only begotten son eat in the wilderness when the devil tempts him? Jesus responds from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus has come to fulfill God's word, his promise of salvation. Jesus is the word made flesh who will do the saving. When Israel was in the wilderness, the Lord served them by feeding them, and they still grumbled against him anyway. Now, in the flesh, the Lord will serve the people by feeding them miraculously. He will, for instance, feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. But he's there for them, not for himself. 
So rather than use his power to relieve his suffering at the devil's suggestion, he continues to be hungry. The devil takes him to the holy city and sets him on a high pinnacle and then says to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Well, now the devil's quoting scripture, and it's pretty clever. He quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, but he leaves out the middle phrase which says, to guard you in all your ways. With that part included, the psalm declares that God will take care of the Messiah as the Messiah goes about his Father's will. But with that part left out, the devil makes the psalm sound like Jesus can do whatever he wants and the angels will still protect him. And that's a big, effective temptation against sinners. If you've got it, flaunt it. If you're bulletproof, do whatever you want. But Jesus has not become flesh in order to show off and do whatever he wants. He has come to fulfill his Father's will and to save sinners. Rather than depart from God's will and put on a little flying show to show off his invincibility, Jesus again quotes Deuteronomy, this time chapter 6, verse 16, and he says, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Back in the Old Testament, the son Israel tested God all the time, doubting his mercy and even saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So here, the only begotten son trusts his father's love and continues to go about his father's will. Jesus is not going to risk his life to force his father's faithfulness. He's going to wait to offer his life when the father wills that he submit to the cross trusting that his father will raise him from the dead. Now the devil tries one more time. He takes Jesus to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and says, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. We'll briefly note that the devil is a liar, and the kingdoms are not his to give, even if he might be demented enough to believe it. Here, the temptation is for Jesus to skip the suffering by bowing down to Satan. The temptation is to worship a false god. Now, the son Israel was prone to worshiping false gods. While Moses was up on top of tall Mount Sinai to receive the law from God, the Israelites were busy down below bowing down to a golden calf. Jesus will have none of that. He says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's Deuteronomy again, chapter 6, verse 13. And as the only begotten son refuses to fall down to a false god, the devil departs. So tally it up. The Old Testament beloved son Israel rebelled again and again. The people grumbled when they got hungry, they tested God rather than submit to his will, and they worshipped false gods. Nevertheless, God kept his promises. And right after Moses finished reading Deuteronomy to the people, and then Moses died, 
the people crossed the Jordan and entered the promised land. Here, the only begotten, beloved son, Jesus, fasts without grumbling, submits to his father's will, and serves his father alone. In resisting the devil, he keeps quoting Deuteronomy, which Israel heard just before entering the promised land. And then what? This son crosses the Jordan into the promised land to go about his plan of salvation. And that plan of salvation culminates with his death on the cross. Why? So that you can cross over death and enter the promised land of heaven and everlasting life. See, Jesus didn't do this just for the Israelites of old. Gentiles are grafted into God's people, and so whatever your lineage, Jesus has done this for you. I don't have to tell you that you need him as your Savior because you're terrible at resisting temptation. Daily you're assailed by the devil and the world, and even if you could shut them out, your old sinful flesh is goading you to do the wrong thing all the time. You're in far better shape than hungry in a wilderness, but daily you're tempted to grumble that God is bad at providing for you. That's why you're dissatisfied with what you have, jealous of others, covetous of their things, their people, and their situations, greedy for what you don't have and unwilling to share what you do have. That's why Jesus is in the wilderness, enduring all those temptations with perfect obedience. Daily, you're anxiously questioning God's will, resenting the way that he leads, blaming him for what has gone wrong, and opting to do things your way even when it disobeys his commands. That's why Jesus is in the wilderness, perfectly trusting and perfectly submitting to his Father's will. Daily, as you succumb to these temptations, you're placing your desires and fears over God's plan and promises which means you're making yourself a false god in pursuit of worthless idols. That's why Jesus is in the wilderness, the perfect son in perfect obedience to his father. He's not there to be the example. He's not there to say, you can resist temptation if you just try harder. You should try harder, but that's not the point. Jesus is there to demonstrate perfect obedience to show who the perfect son is and what the perfect son does. He's there to show who you were meant to be and what you were meant to do. Then he makes his way to the cross where he dies for your sins, for who you are and what you've done. Risen again, he gathers you to the font And there, in holy baptism, he joins you to his death and his resurrection. He forgives your sins, and he clothes you in his own righteousness so that when God looks upon you, he doesn't see a rebellious child. He sees a beloved child, perfect and holy. All those temptations each day, That's the devil, the world, and sinful flesh working hard to get you to give up what is already given, your identity as God's own perfect child. And that's why you repent daily, because you want to remain as God's own child. 
That's why Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. He demonstrates what it means to be the perfect son in order to show you who you are in God's eyes when you're cleansed by his blood. That's a great comfort, and it comes with this hope. Because Christ has joined you to his death and to his resurrection, you are and will be God's perfect child, holy and wholly alive forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.